Montebello Church Sermons. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4? Just waiting for some announcements. Yes. Ephesians chapter 4. You need to understand this is one of the most significant passages in all of God's word. You have to take it. You have to understand how important it is. Years ago, two young men were in seminary together in these little tiny trailers. They, <laughs> it was amazing how they said they could hardly had to go outside the trailer to simply turn around. It was so small. Now, those two students who happened to be Ray Stedman and uh, the other one was Howard Hendricks. And they began to study Ephesians chapter 4. And as they studied, they said, we think the church has missed the point. The word of God is very clear, and they begin to focus on this fourth chapter. And so we want to start looking at verse 11. I want to read that first of all. And it was he, or God, who gave some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastor teachers, to prepare God's people for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity and faith and then the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed to and fro by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning of men and craftiness of men in their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all that we will in all things grow up in him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grow and build itself up in love as every part does its job. Let's pray. Lord, we come to this amazing passage, a passage that sometimes we just pass through or we say, well, that's very interesting, but Lord, you are saying some very, very profound things here and some very radical things. And we make a great mistake in not listening to your word and to think the men's, men's ideas are going to bring in the kingdom. You have a work for us to do. There's something you want to happen, and it is your heart's desire. And it's so simple because you put us to work. You've said you want to do a job, and you want to use the body, the full body of Christ. So you've given to us gifts, gifted people, gifted ministers, people that come, and as they minister to us, we become transformed beings. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word, the promises that you give. Help us to take seriously what you're saying here, because if we take it seriously, if we believe your word, we will be a transformed church we will make a difference in the community. We'll make a difference in the world when we understand that which you're teaching us. So teach us this day for your glory. We ask these things in thy name. Amen. So we're looking at this big picture. Why is the church here? Why did God put us here? Why are you here right now? God, what do you want to accomplish? What am I here on earth for? And that's what he sets out. He says, all of these other groups can do things, but there's only one thing the church can do. The church is here 
to go and demonstrate in the world the very life of Christ. Now, if Christ is in you and Christ is living his life through you, you are there making a difference in the world. This is why your spiritual gifts are so important, that you understand what they are. If you understand your spiritual gifts, you take your spiritual gift and you exercise it. So you minister in the body of Christ to other believers, and those believers will grow when you minister to them. That's the key that he's setting forth here. He says, this is what I've called you to. This is why you're here. And that's what this passage is saying. This is God's purpose. There is no higher. Understand, there is no higher purpose. Now, I believe in evangelism. It's important to do evangelism. But he is saying this is higher than evangelism. There's a place for evangelism. And he goes beyond that. He says, if you understand your role in the church and you exercise your gift, the church will be transformed. That's what it takes to transform the church. We will make a difference. Now he says, remember when Dan Mayhew talked about the passage in Luke where Jesus said, this is why I've come to the synagogue. He goes into the synagogue and he says, I've come for the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good tidings, to break the heart, rather break break the sinful hold that Satan has in your life and to proclaim for you liberty. So this is why Jesus came. He came with the purpose in mind to bring you to full maturity. So here is what he's saying. It takes the whole body working together to bring about this which God wants to accomplish. What does he want to accomplish? He wants to make you mature in Christ. He wants you to be totally like Christ. You say, oh, well, does that mean we go around and imitate Christ? No, we're not talking about imi- not cheap imi- imitations. We're talking about the very life of Christ. He dwells in you. He wants to work through your hands, through your speech, through your relationship with other people, through the gifts that you exercise. When you exercise those gifts, then the church becomes strong. And if those gifts are not being exercised, the church is weak. And that's the tragedy, is that we are off doing so many things. The question is, do we know what our spiritual gifts are, and are we exercising them in the body of Christ? We saw last week that everyone has a spiritual gift. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Are you exercising your spiritual gift? Are people being changed because you exercise your spiritual gift? That's a wonderful thing, and we don't want to take that lightly. So it... This is what God has created the church for. And if the church does not do that, if we're not equipping the saints, what does that mean? It means helping other people become more Christ-like. I think Randy states it well. He said, my goal is this, to see that every person in the church is one step closer to Christ than he was the day before. That's what God wants. This is what the goal is. God has created us and created the church for this reason, that we can equip the saints. And so, what will be the result? We will all come to unity and we'll become Christ-like. So that is the question that we have to ask. Are you becoming Christ-like right now? Now, evangelism is important. The millennium is important. We want to bring in the millennium. It'll be great that all the, 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 the swords will be turned into plowshares and 
and, 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 and the swords into pruning sears and that we'll study war no more. We say, what a great day that will be. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is, are you becoming more like Christ? This is the key. Is supreme, it's paramount. That is what God is looking for. He's looking for mature men. He looks, he sees you as you grow up. He says, I like what's taking place. You're becoming more like Christ. Your desire to serve. Down deep, we all have this desire to be mature. We have this image of ourselves. It's interesting that we have, we have our, little, uh, our, our little safety nets. We have people that are really kind of nasty, you know. And we say, well, I'm maybe not going more like Christ, but I'm sure not like them. And we love to bring out our little examples of people that are so mother-in-laws or bosses or whatever they are. We love to bring them out and say, well, I'm not, I'm not as bad as they are. And so we compare ourselves with our, ourselves. And God says, don't do that. Don't compare yourself with each other. Compare yourself with the standard, which is Christ. I think of a little boy. The problem is, what do you use for a standard? What do you use for a ruler? He said to his mother, mother, I just found out that I'm eight foot four. He says, oh, you are. Interesting boy. You didn't look eight foot four. She found out that he was using a six-inch ruler. Now, when you use a six-inch ruler, you come out six foot four, but actually it was four foot two. The issue is, how do we measure ourselves? So we want to look at the, what God is asking us to do. And you say, how does this take place? How does this become a part of us? Now, we have a desire, and you understand. You say, I want to grow up. But Scripture says you can't add one inch to your height by trying. You don't get any taller by trying harder. So you say, what do we need? Well, you do what God told you to do. Take your gifts and start exercising them. Now, part of the problem is we get very frustrated because we want to grow up faster. We said, God, I'm tired of being immature. God says, okay, grow up. Well, how do you grow up? That is the key. Now, I will tell you a little secret. If you want to know joy in life, you have to be in God's word. I'll tell you why. Because the basis of your joy is the fact that God is ruling and overruling in your life. Everything that's working in your life, he's working it out for the glory of God. So here I want you to understand this. If you understand the attributes of God, the character of God, the beauty of God, and it becomes real for you, you look at that and you say, because God is working all things together for good, I can be joyful. Now it's one thing to have it in the Bible and understand it's there, but you take it and apply it to your life. See, therefore, I need to rejoice in who I am in Christ, that he has made me a child of God. He has redeemed me. He's forgiven me. He's cleansed me. He's made me a new creation. So he gives us desire to be more like Christ. We want to dream on, so we'll deceive, often deceive ourselves by comparing ourselves with each other. And he says, don't, don't do that. Now, as we go along, notice in our passage it says, he gave us prophets and apostles and evangelists and pastor teachers. This is the purpose of the church. Why are we given pe people in the church? 
to help equip us. Not that the pastors are supposed to do the work, but the people are to do the work. You are the ones that have the spiritual gifts. And the key is learning how to exercise those gifts and put them into places. And he says, you will come to a full knowledge of Christ and you will come to know Christ. And so you know him in his fullness. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying it's really tragic. People that do not know their God, they do not know their word, they do not know the principles of God. So on what basis do they have joy? Joy comes because God has promised he would take care of us, that he's going to watch over us. He's going to answer prayer. Do you realize what a wonderful gift God has given? He says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do unto you. The question is, how much time do you spend in prayer? Prayer will change the church. Prayer will change people. You say, I wish that person would grow up. That's great that you like that. But they won't grow up until they're in the word of God. If they're not in the word of God, they're not going to grow up. Do you understand that? Growth comes when we look into the face of Jesus. So the key for the disciples was, it was one thing to be acquainted with Christ. Because remember, he was a part of the family. But it was not until he said to them, come, follow me. There's something that has to happen. When you go and make a decision, I'm going to follow Christ all the way. It's Christ or nothing. Put your whole investment in that, in Christ who is the center. So you say, how do you do that? Well, look into the Gospels. Look at the Gospels and walk with Jesus as he walks amongst the people. How did Jesus respond? How did Jesus deal with problems? How did he deal with people that were being honored? Even the Pharisees that were always opposing him, what did he do? He kept coming back again and again and reaching out to them in love and compassion because he wants them to come to the fullness of the measure of Christ. Now, that's not going to happen unless the people are determined to exercise their spiritual gifts. So when you exercise your gift, you say, how does it make a difference? Well, when you touch this other life and they see your compassion, they see your love, then they say, I want to be more like Christ. So our very conduct challenges other people to be more like Christ. There is a secret. There is a joy if we're in God's word and we understand God and who he is and see him in his humanity. Have you walked with Jesus? It's kind of like believing you can swim by correspondence course. We really think that we have that, we can do that. I remember reading an old Western, the guy was a tough guy, and he came on the scene, and he had, and this little five-year-old, his, his mother went and says, well, I don't like him playing around the water. He doesn't know how to swim. And, he, and, and the fellow, tough, tough hero, he, he, he grabbed a hold of the kid by the seat of the pants, and he took him and threw him in the water. And his mother screamed, wow, cruel, terrible, terrible. And all of a sudden, the little boy started scrambling and scrambling and scrambling. And all of a sudden, Mom, I'm swimming. <laughs> because she was thrown in the water. Sometimes God says, you want to grow up? I'm going to take you by the seat of the pants and throw you in the water. And you start swimming. You don't need a correspondence course on how to swim. You need to get in the water and you need to swim. You need to start following Christ every day. Remember, we said in the very beginning, if you will read through the book of Ephesians, I hope you are still doing that, 
again and again and again, you will become transformed. Do you understand the beauty of what that's saying? It's not that we imitate Christ, it's that we follow Christ and that we're so involved with him. We so see him, we see him in his beauty. I was thinking of a, a recent hymn, an old, an old hymn. Let's get the words here. Think about these words. Take time to be holy. Speak oft with God. Find in him always and feed on his word. Make friends of God's children. Help those who are weak. Forgetting in nothing his blessings to seek. Take time to be holy. The world rushes on. Much time spent in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus, like him you shall be. Thy friends and thy conduct, his likeness shall see. One more verse. Take time to be holy. Let him be thy guide. And run not before him, whatever be tied. In joy or in sorrow, still follow the Lord. And looking to Jesus, still trust in his word. The truth is, if you're not in the word, how can you be joyful? Because it is our joy all joy, all the joy that we have is because God is in control. And when we look into the face of Jesus and we see his beauty and we see how he functions, and he says, that's what I want you to do, be. I want you to grow up. Not Jesus the miracle worker, not Jesus the great teacher, but Jesus the man who lived life to its full. And it was rich and he says, look to Jesus and live that story. Go back and study the gospels again. How much am I like Christ? How much am I living Christ's life? Because Christ dwells in me. Jesus says, it's not the hearers of the word, but it's the doers. I remember my wife came home and, and the Bible study she was in was really quite shocked because they had, some of the writers in that Bible study were third world leaders. Well, that third world leader said, here's what the lesson is. And then he turned around and he says, now, what are you going to do about today? You see, so often we like to study. We like to be hearers. And Jesus says, it's not hearers of the word. It's the doers of the word. The question is, are we doing? Are we exercising our gifts? Are we reaching out to other people? Are we caring about other people? Are we bringing them to maturity? It's not the hearers only. So it is that the disciples were acquainted with Jesus, but it was quite changed when they begin to follow him. So in this whole thing, understand that in growing up, there is a process. You get impatient with it, you say, God, I'm tired of growing up. I'm tired of being immature. I want to grow up. And he says, okay, look into my face. I want you to see me. I want you to see me in my beauty. See me in, your pow in my power. Look at the method that God used to bring about change now there is a process you see god takes a whole lifetime to make an oak tree he can make a squash in three months now, i know a lot of squash christians they're like they just grow fast and they want to be mature they want to be full men overnight but they don't want to go through the process of growing and you cannot grow unless you're searching in god's word Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, precious Redeemer.
pure as thou art. Come in thy fullness, come in thy sweetness, stamp your own image deep upon my heart. That's why the word of God tells us, don't use a novice. What does it mean? Someone that's an immature Christian, someone that's a new Christian, and they go out and you give them authority and you give them responsibility, they become puffed up with pride. He says, don't use a novice, but give them a chance to grow up. So don't be in a hurry and don't get impatient with the process because God's process is sure. It will bring about the change. That's where change takes place in the church. Do you understand why it's important? Why we understand what our spiritual gifts are and putting them into practice. You are important to the church of Christ. Every one of your gifts are important. He put you here so that you would make a difference. You say, I don't know what my gifts are. Well, let's talk, other, talk to other people. Talk to them, ask them, what is my gift and how can I put it into, into practice? But there's a, a second thing. There are stages that we go through in growing up. I remember I was reading about a man who had a, a son was about 14 and he, he in, in one year grew one foot and he was lamenting. He says that he, he noticed that his, as he grew, he was able to wear the father's shoes. He found his son wearing his good shoes. And he was not real happy with it. He says, but you know what I need to tell you? The good news is a year later, when we measured the feet again, my shoes were too small for him, so he had to get his own shoes again. <laughs> so he was kind of relieved that, that going through the stages. But we go through these stages, and sometimes we get frustrated. We get frustrated why I'm going through this difficulty. But you see, God loves us, and he's working all things together. And he knows that we must go through these stages and these process, and we must not be impatient with that. I want to continue a little bit more. There is a process, and we can look at it two ways. How much am I becoming less like a child? How am I becoming more like a grown man? Now, notice in our passage it says that you're not like children tossed to and fro as infants by the waves. There are people, I find in the church this amazing thing. On a regular basis, people come in and they're all excited about a new book. Some book that they've read. This is going to fix the whole world. They get excited about these books. They get excited about these fads. But they don't get excited about God's word. That's sad. Because when you're in God's word and you're knowing Christ and you're seeing Christ and you're learning of Christ, you become more Christ-like as we spend time. But that takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. So that's why you need to be searching the word of God. But then it goes on. And our passage says, if you'll, you'll notice verse 13, until we all reach the unity of faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. No longer like infants. What, what are infants like? Well, infants are fickle. They're instable. They're unreliable. It's interesting, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering. And he goes on, and then one of those fruits is the fruit is the fruit of faithfulness. That means the ability to hang in there. How many times have we asked people, will you go and do this ministry? They say, sure, I'll do this ministry. And then they phone up a year later, a month later, and they're going to say, you know, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And they back out. You can't count on them. They don't want us to hang in there. Jesus says the important thing is 
you learn the principle of hanging in there. Don't be immature, flighty, flitting to one fad or another fad. Understand, don't be a novice. Understand that Hebrews puts it this way. When the time was you should have been teaching others, you are still needing to be taught. You still need to be taught. The question is, you need to be taught or are you growing up? Now, you can't add an inch to your stature by trying. You say, okay, then what do I do? You get in God's word and you start reading and you start studying and you start, you start examining God's word. And so you find out that when you are in those stages, God will bring you to a maturity. There is a satisfaction. Furthermore, the last point that he makes here in the end of this, just before we get to verse, is verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together with every supporting lignant, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. Do you understand? Do you hear that? When each part does its work, then we are working together, then we'll grow up. You say, what is this passage saying? He says, God put you in a family. He put you in the church. And you are here in this church because God put you here. He says, don't say these people are not nice to be around. They're prickly. They're hard to live with. God says, if there's prickly people in your life, you know what you need? You need prickly people in your life. So God says, you need it to grow up. So I'm going to put them in your life. You say, Lord, I'm going to change churches because they have too many prickly people here. God says, no, you need those prickly people because it is through even their living with you. The interesting thing when you think about it, you need them and they need you. You see, if you work with them, if you love them, then they're going to be less prickly. And maybe some of the reason that they're prickly is because you're kind of prickly. See, part of the problem in growing up is we don't like to be told who we are. Now, I find all kinds of people say, oh, I'm a fool. I do all kinds of foolish things. I don't do things well. I'm not, not doing everything I should. And, and, and you say, and then someone comes along and they agree with you. You don't like that. You don't want to hear them say, oh, you're a fool? Are you? I agree with you. You're a fool. <laughs> well, who do you think you are doing that? Why are you saying that? No, we don't want to hear who we are. We don't want to hear that we need to grow up. Let me tell you a little secret. We all start as children. We all start as children. And sometimes that childishness comes out in all manner of demonstration. And God tells us the need to be disciplined, the need to call us to obedience. Don't go and be flitting back and forth. I heard a, a, a man took his granddaughter to the uh, 31 Flavors ice cream. And so she, she looked and looked, and he, he held her up so she could see all the cartons of all the different ice creams. And when it was after 10 minutes, they decided she was going to have vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you, we get into that situation. We say, what do I do? How am I supposed to work this out? Do not be fickle. Do not be flighty. Do not switch around. Don't be tossed around. You see, and this happens in our doctrine. It's amazing how 
periodically in the church, there's different waves of techniques and fads and ideas that come along. And it's so sad because you find people are not growing up because they're into a fad. They're not into words, God word. They're not into relationship. Here's the tragedy that God wants you to grow up and he's put you in the body and he's given you difficult people to be around sometimes so that you can grow and become more like Christ. This is the beauty of this passage. The beauty of what this passage is saying. God put you here so you will become more Christ-like. Are you becoming more Christ-like? Are you exercising your spiritual gifts? Are you helping the rest of the body? Are you helping your brother and sister to become more Christ-like? Do you understand you have a, 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 a great privilege to minister to each other? I appreciate those that see that I get a little discouraged and they come along and say, Pastor, how can I pray for you? And I'll tell them what's concerning me. And I say, well, let's pray right now. And they bow their head and they start praying for me. The question is, you can do that with everybody else. Everyone else has a prayer request. And they're wanting people to pray for them. This, how, this is how we grow up. This is how we minister to each other. Understand, if you want to know joy, know your God. Because the more you know your God, the more assured you are that he's working all things together for good. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful that you can, you say, well, if I know that and I'm putting it into practice and I'm believing God, then what's the result? You're going to grow up and you're going to be equipped and you'll be able to do the ministry. And you might be surprised this person you minister to, all of a sudden you find out that he's been a blessing to somebody else. You say, oh, that's wonderful. How did that happen? You exercise your gift. They did some growing up. They did some growing up and becoming more Christ-like. As they became more Christ-like, then they passed it on to other people. Then you have a church that's alive and dynamic. This is God's more formula. I didn't make this up. I'm saying it's here. It's in God's word. He says he wants us to be more like Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we get really excited about these things. And it seems as though it seems as though sometimes we want to do everything but follow your rules. But you've given us this truth because you love us and you want us to become mature. Lord, help us to minister to each other. Help us to exercise our spiritual gifts because as we exercise our gifts and we minister to other people, then through that gift, you're able to change the person next to me. Lord, I pray that we'll become a church that knows how to pray for each other. Though it may become a practice for all of us to go and say, what you're concerned about, let's pray about it right now. Let's pray about it right now and bring it to the Lord. Because, you see, that's something we can all do for each other. We can pray for each other. We can encourage each other. We can lift each other up. But it's all based on the fact that you give us everything, God. You've given us all the blessings. You've never failed us. You've never let us down. Sometimes you don't do it the way we want you to do it but you are still working. You're still doing marvelous things. And sometimes after we come through a crisis, we say, where were you, Lord? And we come through the crisis and we realize 
how marvelous you have already worked and you've done things. And you've answered prayers even before we prayed them. What a marvelous God you are. How gracious you are. How loving you are. How caring you are. How you care about us, Lord. You care about our spiritual gifts. You've given every single believer here right now, this morning, you've given them spiritual gifts because they're a child of God. And when they became a child of God, you gave them a spiritual dynamic, a spiritual gift that when they exercise it, people's lives are going to be transformed. Help us, Lord, to put this into practice. And we're going to give you the praise and the glory. Amen.